286, hallelujah, what a savior. We'll sing out on all five stanzas, 286. Let's stand together and sing. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God. presentation here uh, shortly and if you missed this morning uh, our sermon this morning this a.m. and uh, morning it was titled death and life not life and death why because there's eternal life in Jesus Christ so we want you to understand that but I think it'd be great if you'll go back and not listen to it just on where we have it posted to just the sermon itself but to go back and listen to the service because the AM service uh, with the choir, musical, and all of that, you can go back and listen to it on the Facebook or the YouTube, and it was an outstanding service there with the choir this morning. So uh, don't miss that, uh, and I would encourage you to do that. If you want to just see that, it was tremendous. But uh, just looking ahead, uh, coming up, May the uh, April the 24th, that's next Sunday night, we have Living Proof Night, and this is where uh, you're going to find out what goes on with the teenagers on Wednesday night when we're having our Bible study, our verse, verse Bible study in here, or a missionary like we'll have this Wednesday night. But when we're doing that, uh, they're meeting somewhere else, and they're getting Bible, they're getting some good stuff going, and they have things happening. So don't miss out on what's happening with uh, Living Proof on next Sunday night as they present that. And then also... Uh, in your bulletin today, you have some other things coming up of the various graduations and OCA, and so that's good for you to know. But then, on June the 4th, Renee Gamble, ladies, take advantage of this. Uh, she is an outstanding speaker. You don't want to miss her, ladies. She is good. I mean, very good. And I think that's probably an understatement. But nonetheless, uh, you will want to come out and hear her on uh, June the 4th. But then, the next day, Sunday, we'll have her husband, Dr. Dave Gamble. He'll be with us. He is a great preacher as well. I've uh, had opportunities to work with him on the BIMI uh, board as well as just to preach in his church, but have him preach and hear him preach. He's done revival for our school. He's good, and you won't want to miss him. So we're looking forward to having the Gambles with us uh, that Saturday and Sunday morning, and, and so don't miss out on that. Put that on your calendar for June the uh, 4th for 
uh, the ladies' meeting, and then uh, June 5th with Dr. Gamble. Okay, that's the extent of my announcements. So I think the next thing, according to this, is an offering. I can't take the offering if somebody doesn't sing first, but... Uh, Okay, why don't you come give an announcements? Then I'll figure out what to do about offering, okay? All right, just really quickly, just want to remind you, uh, don't miss out April 24th. We are uh, looking for an opportunity to help you guys get involved with the teenagers, and so you don't want to miss out on that. Uh, again, just really quickly for the, uh, this week, don't forget tomorrow night, Monday night at 6 p.m., we have our men's revival prayer. And then Tuesday at 9.30, Ladies Christian Fellowship, and they're having a special guest speaker, Miss Deborah Anner, who's a missionary to Honduras, who's going to be joining you ladies, so you don't want to miss out this Tuesday. Our normal Wednesday program at 6.30 is our mission prayer band, master clubs from K to 5th grade, living proof from 6th grade to 12th grade, and then 7 p.m. we're going to have Deborah Anner again, the missionary to Honduras. And then don't forget as well, this Saturday at 9.30 in the morning, we do have our visitation. Okay, you may be seated. <laughs> All right. Everything just goes right by schedule. Okay. <laughs> All right. We want to recognize visitors, and if you're visiting tonight for the first time or the first time in a long time, we want you to know you're an honored guest here at Central Baptist Church, and uh, we'd like to see where you're seated and, and to give a gift. We have a special gift that we like to give our visitors, so if you're visiting tonight for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you raise your hand and let our usher see where you are seated, each of our visitors? Several over here on the bottom right. Great. One in the back left. Okay. One in the back left. Had they got them all? Uh, getting there. Getting there. Okay. All right. I'm just going to make sure. You have another one in the middle. Okay. They heard about that $50,000 gift. Okay. Okay. Do we have them all? No. More hands went up when I said 50,000. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Do we, do we have Got another one? Yeah. Over here. Oh. Our left. Our left. Our left. <laughs> Back here. This left. This left. Over here. There we go. Yeah, we have some over here. Okay. How are we coming, men? We caught you off guard, didn't we? There he comes. All right. Okay, put your hand right back up over here so he can see where you are. Okay. Do we have it all now? Okay, that's good. Okay, ushers, I'm going to do something else to you. Why don't you come forward? We'll take the Lord's tithes and your offerings. Okay. I've had them walking back around and looking at each other and pointing. And um, now here they come. All right. And they're coming in halves. Okay. There's the second half coming. All right. They think it's a game and we're playing quarters, but I don't know. But uh, here it is. Well, tonight we're going to take the Lord's tithes in your offering, so I'm going to ask uh, Brother Cumbie, would you pray, please, sir? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the special time we can come as we think about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, for the service tonight, the cantata, and all that are involved in that. And we pray you now that you will bless this offering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for that rest beyond the river. Okay. Well, uh, tonight our choir is presenting to us God's Holy Land. But before we do, I just want to say now we have double doors over here in the back left and there are restrooms. You go through those double doors and they'll be on the right. Over here on my right, if you'll go through those double doors, there are restrooms on the left. Now, if you have a baby, uh, you can go through those double doors on the right and you'll see a hallway that turns right. Go down there and our nursery is down there. When the choir does a special presentation as they're doing tonight, they've put much practice into it, much time. But in addition to that, they're presenting it as a message, a message from God's word in song. And so we ask you to just listen closely to the words and follow the entire presentation tonight of God's Holy Lamb. Jesus Christ, God's holy lamb, came from heaven and paid the price for our sin. How much did it cost him? Well, let me ask you a question. How much would it be worth to you to have every bad thing that you've ever done, every selfish, wicked word that you've ever spoken, and every evil thought totally wiped clean? All that sin, all the guilt that goes with it, out of existence, never to be remembered. How much would you pay? 
What is it worth to you? That is the question that I want you to answer. But I'll give you a hint. Because of the Lamb of God, you do not have to pay anything. Out of all the animals God saw fit to put here on earth, two of them stick out in my mind as being unique, the lion and the lamb. They are unique because both of these creatures are used to describe some aspect or some characteristic of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The lion is rather self-explanatory, isn't it? The king of his domain, powerful, majestic, fearsome. But then there is the cute little lamb. What is it about this helpless, innocent animal that gives us insight into the heart and mind of God? The answer is found in the price of your sin and the sins of the whole world. But this truth was something the people of Israel did not understand the day that Jesus triumphantly rode into Jerusalem upon a young donkey. Being blind to God's plan, they rejoiced at the thought of the Lion of Judah freeing them from the outward oppression of the Roman rule. After all, Jesus was heir to the throne of David. Surely God had sent him to rule and reign during their desperate time of need. Hosanna, they shouted. Save us now! And indeed, Jesus, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, had come to save lost souls and to rule in the hearts of mankind. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. feelings of euphoria were short-lived. The people's expectations of their newly chosen king went unfulfilled. Jesus did not take the leadership necessary to gather a rebel army and cleanse the city of Jerusalem from Roman forces. That was not his purpose. He did, however, choose to openly criticize and condemn the religious leaders and teachers for their blatant hypocrisy and their hard hearts. Ye serpents, he shouted, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? And then, as from a loving heart, languishing in the pain of rejection, he cries out to his chosen people, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. And barely three days later, before Pilate their governor, his beloved people demanded that Jesus be crucified. 
And so God's holy lamb had come to be sacrificed for a world that hated him. The Apostle John tells us, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Do not be shocked. We are very foolish and fickle people, aren't we? The prophet Isaiah wrote not long ago that the Savior would come. He'd despise and would be rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Have you turned your face from Jesus? Have you turned from the one who can save your soul? My friend, turn around. Turn to face him. The Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Perhaps you have been rejecting Jesus for a very long time, but please know that he has not rejected you. Turn from your sin and receive Jesus. Is there any greater, if there's any greater trait that describes Almighty God, it would be to say that God is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the seraphim, the seraphim cries as they encircle the throne of God. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
Do you know what it means to be holy? We immediately think of his sinlessness, his utter perfection, and this is true. However, these traits combined with so many other unique characteristics speak to the holiness of God. In other words, he is in every way unequaled. The scriptures tell us there is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one beside thee, nor is there any rock like our God. Because God is above all things, he not only sets the standard, he is the standard. Our God is holy. This is why Jesus, God the Son, came to earth. He was the only one who had the ability to satisfy God, God the Father's holy standard. You see, we had all sinned against him, and so he alone was worthy to take the sins of the whole world upon himself, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. The price of our sin had to be paid. Someone's blood had to be shed, and whoever it was, had to be unequaled, holy. So Jesus, the holy lamb of God, hung on the cross and shed his blood to pay the price for the sins of the world. No one knew this more than the thief who hung on a cross beside the Savior. In great physical stress, when all hope was gone, he turned to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Have you ever thought that maybe God was too busy to deal with you? Or perhaps you thought that you had been just too bad of a person for him to even listen or care? Dear friend, you have been so very wrong. If Jesus remembered the thief on the cross, he will remember you.
The fear of death is something that most people have in common, isn't it? What actually does lie beyond that mysterious dark curtain? We know from the scriptures that there are only two destinations awaiting us, heaven or hell. I do not like sounding so blunt, but what we all deserve is the latter. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. And this death means eternal separation from God, forever being punished in the fires of hell. This is what your sin has earned for you. And if you're like me, this is one paycheck you do not want to collect. And the good news is, you don't have to. Jesus Christ, God's holy lamb, has already paid the price. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, For I delivered unto you first of all that which ye also received, how that Christ died according, for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Hallelujah! Jesus lives! This truth is so vital to our faith. His death paid the price for our sin, and his resurrection is evidence of that. His victory over death is proof that he is God. It is proof that his words are true and that he conquered death and that he alone is the giver of life. Do you see, my friend? You no longer have to face the fear of death. He faced it for you. And because he was raised to life, you can live also. You can now look forward to eternal life in the glories of heaven because Christ arose. At this time, we'd like you to take your hymn books and go to number 325, 325, Christ Arose. And we'll stand together and sing out on all three stanzas together, 325, Christ Arose. Yeah. 
you can now look forward to life eternal in the glories of heaven because Christ arose. What a wonderful promise. But before you leave today, we want to make sure that precious promise applies to you. The Apostle John tells us that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. That wonderful word, propitiation, means that Jesus satisfied God's righteous demands. His resurrection is proof that he paid the price for our sin. Jesus successfully took our place on the cross. The punishment he suffered for us was enough. Do you understand? We no longer have to face the fear of death. Yes, our physical bodies will die one day, but our eternal souls can live on in the glories of heaven for all eternity. But that is up to you. You must make a decision. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 4 that Jesus was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Because Jesus rose again from the dead, we have been pardoned. We are no longer guilty before God. That is, if you have faith in your heart that this is so, and if you make the decision to call out to him, repent of your sin, and confess him as Lord of your life. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. God's holy Lamb, Jesus Christ, is now calling you into his fold. Will you come and be saved today?
really appreciate that message by the choir because it was scriptural all the way, all from the Word of God. You know, Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18, the Lord is speaking. It's not Isaiah. Isaiah is just writing the words of the Lord. And it says, Come now, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet. Oh, we talk about the scarlet sin side of town. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. When you go back through the line beginning with Judah and follow it through, David would come from that line. The Davidic kingdom comes through that line. But in that line is a lady. Her name is Rahab the harlot. And yet in that one person, we see Isaiah 1.18's very truth being exposed greatly for us. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Oh, as little children, I remember singing the songs about our sins as black as night or something of that nature. But really, the Bible said our sins were red like scarlet because the red says... The life is in the blood, and the blood would be the cost to save us from our sin. But am I a sinner? Isn't it interesting the Bible tells us that the thought of foolishness is sin? Him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, for him it is sin. Another place in 1 John says, all, all unrighteousness is sin. For anyone to say, I have never sinned in my life, is to openly admit they're a liar. You say, well, I don't like being called a liar. Then don't admit that you've never sinned. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible tells us. You know, the world is celebrating Easter today. There's a bunny. But Easter's not about a bunny. It's about a lamb, white as wool. The book of Revelation, calling him the lamb, uses a Greek term to show that he is the pet lamb of God. Without sin, because that would have to be the sacrifice for us. And so therefore, as a result of being the pet lamb of God, he reminded us of all those Old Testament sacrifices. When a lamb would be offered, they would inspect it. They'd inspect it closely to see if there was any spot, any mark, anything on it that would say that it could not be given as a sacrifice. It had to be so pure. And that lamb would be given for the people. But, you know, one of the things that they would do sometimes with the scapegoat, sometimes with the red heifer, sometimes with the lamb, They'd take that lamb and they'd face the people. The people coming, yes, I've sinned, I'm coming short of the glory of God. And that lamb would be facing the people and then it would be slaughtered. Not a bone is broken, but it is placed upon an altar. And what a picture for us. Because that lamb represented bearing the sins of the people as they looked. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, bore our sins, even the thought of foolishness. How do you say, the thought of foolishness? God, come on. Well, the Bible says so. All unrighteousness is sin. Oh, come on now. The Bible says so. 
You mean, I have sinned, yes. And the Bible's very clear in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know the reason he says come short of the glory of God? <laughs> there is a Greek tense called a present tense, and the idea is continues to do so, which that was written in. We continually come short of the glory of God. Okay, what is the glory of God? Jesus Christ. Sometimes I like to think of, uh, listen to people and see what they say about church members and things like that. Well, if they're going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. I know that. And yet, he didn't compare you to a church member. Isn't it interesting that people, when they want to compare themselves, compare themselves to the worst common denominator instead of the best? Why would we want to compare ourselves to a hypocrite? No, the glory of God, the very standard that we're measured against is Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God. The wages of sin, Romans 6.23, it didn't say a whole lot of sin. I mean, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but when he said the wages of sin, he didn't say a great big sin. Oh, this is really bad. This sin is terrible. He just said, for the wages of sin is death. Keep it in mind that that word death never meant ceasing to exist. It never has meant that. Why? Because you and I were made in God's image, and God is a spirit. A spirit lives forever. Because we are made in God's image, this spirit of ours will live forever. But it's going to live forever in only one of two destinations. In heaven or in hell. In heaven, the Christian, those who have received Christ, those who know Him as their Savior, they'll be clothed in a body that's fashioned like unto His glorious body, the Bible says. The man in hell, we're not really told the description of his body, only that it can be tormented by the torments of hell. It can only feel the burning fire of hell. We're told the rich man said, I am tormented in this flame. Let Lazarus, that man that was so full of sores that sat at my gate every day, let him come and just dip his finger in water and touch my tongue. But that couldn't be satisfied. And he was told, son, remember? Telling us, when the man in hell says, this is not fair. And he says, son, remember? You had a chance to be saved. You had an opportunity. And you probably will hear a voice of your mind saying, or even your lips saying, not now. Oh, uh, I can do that down the road. I can take care of it later. I'm not sure I want to do that. And you're thinking, how could have I been so foolish? Yet, the wages of sin the word death means separation, not cessation. Separated forever in the lake of fire with what you live for eternity in is not called life. See, the true life that you needed was in the blood of Jesus. The Lord even gave us a hint in the book of Numbers when He told us the life is in the blood. He didn't even want the Jews back in that day eating any food with the blood 
as they would eat that food, all the blood had to have been taken out of it. The food they ate better not have the blood because the life is in the blood, the life, the soul is in the blood. You say, oh, animals don't have a soul. Have you ever got on to a pet? Maybe it's a dog. And he puts his head down and he walks off. Maybe you've walked on the farmyard and there's some chickens. You go, ah, and those chickens take off in fear. You see, the soul is the seat of our emotion. It can feel fear. There's an animal that gets angry and they want to attack. An animal can have anger. An animal can feel that it wants to kill an enemy. So he told them that life is in the blood. But it's not just in animals. It's in us. That's why the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for us. Because we have a spirit that's going to live forever somewhere. But the all have sinned, and, and, and Jesus Christ died on the cross when he was dying there. Although he had existed in eternity past as spirit, he come to earth, he takes on flesh, and with flesh, a human spirit, a human soul, a human body. And though tempted in all points like as we are, the Bible said in Isaiah 53, he has borne our griefs. We did esteem him smitten of God. Oh, he knew what it was to feel grief. He knew what it was to feel rejection. He knew what it was to feel hate. He knew what it was to feel people just wanting to uh, kill him. Oh, he knew every emotion that you could have ever known. He knew the grief of losing a loved one that was dear to their heart. He knew the grief of betrayal or a friend turning on them and denying them. He knew the grief, but he never sinned one time, never used any of that as a reason to sin. So that when he was on that cross, he was a perfect, sinless sacrifice. Yes, we say a lamb of God. Yes, the world looks for a bunny. They hide eggs, colored eggs, but really, it was the white-wooled lamb of God with the white talking about his, not his color, his sinlessness. For if your, though your sins be as crimson, they shall be as white as snow, they shall be as wool. The wages of sin, big sin, a lot of sin, certain kinds of sin, not wages of sin, that we've all done, we've all sinned, is death, final complete separation from God forever in that great eternal lake of fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels, the Bible says. But the gift, not an earned thing, the wages is what we've earned, the wages of sin. I've earned to go to hell. I've earned to have eternal damnation. But the gift of God and not earn a gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, he's making a distinction when he said that between the Father and the Son. Yes, Jesus was God in the flesh, but in this instance he's saying the gift of God the Father is eternal life through Jesus Christ his Son. Because when Christ was on the cross, the Father was pouring out His wrath upon His human spirit because 
He was bearing our sins. He became sin for us. He bore our sins that we might be made the righteousness of Christ accepted into heaven based on His righteousness, based on His blood having been shed for us and the price being paid in full. Yes. He died for me. He died for you. And we earned death, not the gift. But it said it pleased the Lord, that is his Father, to bruise him. Why? Because his attitude about sin did not change. Even though Christ could have come off the cross at any time he desired, he did not because he loves you. And he wants you to have this gift, and he wanted to give it to you. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, what must I do? Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of repression shall come from the Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I am to repent. You say, does that mean I'm, okay, stop saying I've got to think of all these bad things I've done, confess those things, and, and, and then after I confess these things to God and ask Him to save me? And, and No. You cannot remember all the sins you've done in a lifetime, and neither can I. Sins of the mind, sins of the heart, sins of the deeds, sins of the mouth, sins of the eyes. No. Lord, I'm a sinner. I've come short of your Savior, of Jesus. I've come short of the glory of God. But you don't lie, and you said that it was a gift that as many as received Him, to them would He give the power to become the sons of God. So, you called me to repent. Turn from myself. Turn from this world. Turn from these things. Turning to Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Savior, as my God. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confessions made to salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I was talking with someone today, I believe, about the first time flying on an airplane. I remember there was just a little bit of fear involved with that. Never been on an airplane before. and It was a little tri-pacer airplane that I went up in. But boy, once I got off the ground up there, I, I thought, this is great. This is really great. After that, there was no fear of flying. To just one time get a, in an airplane and fly. But you know what? To do that, I had to turn from fear and get on the plane but not just trust the plane, trust the pilot. Jesus Christ becomes the pilot of my life because if he doesn't become that, this plane's going to crash. So when I repent, I'm turning to him. He's my Lord. Lord. He's Lord over my life. He's God over my life. But I'm turning to Him freely. See, He's already Lord, but am I willing for Him to be Lord of my life? If I am, that's repentance. It's like a young man getting married to a young lady. He turns from whomever he's dated, she turns from whomever she's dated, and they don't just 
come together as husband and wife. It's forever husband and wife till death do us part. Well, we come to Christ like that, but the thing is, in Christ we never die. It's everlasting life. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, he says. Converted? Yes. Give your life to him that your life might be the Christ life now. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the Lord. So, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord, he is God come in the flesh, Lord, Jesus, flesh, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you really believe that Jesus Christ arose literally bodily from the grave? He says you can be saved. That's what the resurrection's about. But the gift of God is eternal life. So, believing that, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, some people gotten baptized as a baby. Some come and joined the church and got baptized, got the name on the church roll. Some finished a course in a, maybe a vacation Bible school or some kind of a church thing. But it was even Jesus who said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That meant you'd go to hell too. You see, joining a church doesn't save you. Getting baptized doesn't save you. Central Baptist Church won't save you. Marriage does not save you. The Bible tells us only Jesus Christ. Some have said a prayer. But they've said a prayer like, hocus pocus. You say these words, you're saved. No. Maybe the right words, but it's got to be a heart that actually turns to Jesus Christ. So, my friend, I'm asking you tonight, hearing this message in song, in dramatic reading, as these young ladies did so well, I want to ask you, are you sure? Are you 100% sure? Can you give a Bible reason that if you died tonight, you'd know you'd go to heaven? I said, wow, I'm not sure. Then I want to give you that opportunity right now. Let's all bow our heads. Close our eyes. I'm going to form a prayer in a moment. Just like I said, the prayer that I formed would only be words if you wouldn't mean it. But if you really want to ask the Lord to be your Savior, to be your God, and you want to give Him your life, knowing that He'll save your soul and He'll give you everlasting life, 